Welcome to Release the Shackles at Green Records. Dr. Cassandra LeClaire. She's a professor at Texas State University. Uh, teaches a lot about human communication. What an amazing human being. I feel like I say that about everybody, but dude, she's so powerful. Yeah, she actually took us into examples and how and what to do when when you are in that communication stages of relationships and it's super awesome to have her. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. She, um, We met her at that beauty and wellness show and listening to her talk about love languages and stuff like that, just, it's incredible. And, you know, she's got a TED Talk coming out. Like she's she's moving. She's a mover. She's also got a book published called Being Whole, where she takes you through some ch childhood trauma and the healing stages. You know, get her getting out of all that, leaving it behind, or AKA releasing the shackles. Enjoy. Cassandra for a reason, mm -hmm. whatever that reason is. Like I, whenever I talk about my daughter, mm -hmm. like, bro, she's the most perfect individual on this planet. Don't at me because you'd be wrong, right? <laughs> and so when I introduce her to people, her name is Harper Ray. Yeah, not Harper, Harper Ray. Like, mm -hmm. there's a reason why we named her that. It's a, it's a powerful name, mm -hmm. you know. And you look at this little girl, and you can feel her power. Like, she stares into my soul. Like, sometimes it's a little bit scary. <laughs> it is. Like, we, the other yesterday, was it Was it yesterday? Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, yesterday. Bro, there was a moment in time where we sat there and stared at each other, and she never blinked. She just, like, staring in my soul. And it was like she was telling me how much she loved me and how much she trusted me and, like, everything in between all at once without speaking a word. It's just the most amazing thing on the planet, dude. And yeah. so I, vo I vocalize to her how powerful she is Good. every day. Good. Every day. Like, I don't label myself as anything. I'm a human being is what I am. I don't attach labels. I'm not a personal trainer. I'm not a business owner. I'm not a BJJ guy. I'm not a yoga guy. I'm Jason Kilgore. I'm a human being, right? So... You know, like, if I was going to say, like, whether or not I'm a feminist or not, like, I can't say that. But I do understand the power in that. If it's maybe uh, the intentions are correct, mm -hmm. right? Um, I understand that in today's world, like, to be female, like, matters, it matters. It's today's world. It's always mattered, right? It's just never been given. It's like, it's never been given its thing, mm -hmm. right? I have a little girl. I've never had a child before in my life. I never knew how important this was until the moment she came out of my wife's womb. Mm -hmm. And when I saw her with her eyes wide open and I saw the doctor's reaction, that 
really, really said something to me because this lady has probably delivered thousands of babies. I don't know about thousands, but whatever that number is. She's been, she's, <laughs> she's been practicing for Hundreds of thousands hundreds. of babies. She's delivered millions. Trillions. 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 No, but she's, she, look, she's been our doctor since we've lived here, and that's 2009. She's been a pediatrician, you know, slash, what do you call those? Practitioners like the you're, you're like an obstetrician. You're, no, no, no. Like your regular doctor, you go see your general oh. doctor. Mm-hmm. You know she she does that too. Like she's been seeing us, and now she's seeing our daughter. And you go in her office, and you see all these pictures of these kids everywhere. So I already knew like what her experience was, and then when I saw her face, and I saw her body language, and I heard the words that came out of her mouth when my daughter came out of my wife's womb, I was like, wow. She said, "Man, she is so aware." Ooh, aware. She was woke. Her eyes were already open. She didn't have to, like, do all this. Like, mm-hmm. she came out. Ready. Like, ready. Mm-hmm. And when the doc said that, she was like, she's so aware. And the surprise on the doctor's face, I was like, because you don't fake that. You can't mm-hmm. fake that because it happens so quick. Mm-hmm. I was just like, holy shit, dude. We brought some major power into this world. A little girl. Oh, she brought me to my knees immediately. <laughs> and I love her so much. It's so incredible. Yeah. It's so beautiful. So her yeah. name matters. Yeah. People, like, her name is Harper Ray. Yeah. It matters. It does matter. Yeah. And you recognizing that power behind her is only going to make her more powerful. Mm. You know, just bringing that her out and her, her having that safety from the very first moments that she entered this world. Mm-hmm. Like, think about what a magical gift that is, too. And that's only going to help her grow in that. Mm. And that's exciting. Feeling that. hmm Cassandra LeClaire. Yes, that is me. Damn, so happy to have you here. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for asking me. Yes, yes, yes. We met Cass a month ago. It has been a month already, hasn't it? Wow, time flies. Yeah. At the New Brambles, what what do we call that? Beauty and Wellness Show that that, uh, Casey put on. Casey and Tammy, Tammy Wood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Casey Frank. What an amazing show that was. It was great. It was just the energy there was so, I mean, I was on a high after that for at least a week. Just thinking about the power behind it and just that, like when we were talking there, that positive energy and just the feeling of expansion and the feeling of openness and awareness again, Mm -hmm. like you say, just, and, you know, going back to your story about Harper Ray, like that awareness. And then you think about how over the course of our life as adults, I think we we stifle that and we stunt that and we numb that. And so like being in that experience where we all met each other at the Beauty and Wellness show, it was like it was just kind of opened up for us again. And I think for me, it's like I've been trying to really go back to it. Like that awareness and that openness is always there, but we have to not numb ourselves out to it and not stunt ourselves from it. And so I think that it was just a really powerful experience to have that that day where we all felt it and then so many of us walked away from it with that feeling and have just been continuing to try to get that like we do in our daily lives, but now also on like a broader level for more people and just mm-hmm. having these kinds of conversations and mm-hmm. yeah. How amazing was our conversation when we were all it was sitting, so good. It's sitting so good. Indian style on the floor, right? Is that, a, that's not acceptable. Crisscross. <laughs> Crisscross applesauce. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. But you know what I mean? That was an amazing conversation. It was so good. And it was so funny because then even everybody's packing up all around us and like the, the show is ending and we're just still sitting there talking, but it was just such a, like an organic shift of, you know, we started talking a little bit about who we were and then it just evolved and developed into this, again, this energy that we all felt. Mm. And it was, no, I wish we would have had that recorded. Yes, that was so, <laughs> such a powerful conversation. But, you know, like, 
I mean, number one, that's why we have things like this, so we mm-hmm. can kind of revisit some things um, and have just as good conversations. But there's also something to like, you know, before we came in here a while ago, you were talking about not liking taking the whole, doing the whole, feeling obligated towards taking pictures for social media and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something like incredibly. Or, I mean, organic's kind of cliche, but that's what it is. It is, though, yeah. It's like mm-hmm. just being in the moment. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, I, no, 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 no. If I pull my phone out, I'm going to ruin this whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So, man, yeah, that was a powerful conversation. And it's cool because I think, you know, speaking of awareness, I feel like I'm more sensitive to powerful people these days. Oh, yeah. It's true. like I recognize mm-hmm. it. Like I can walk by somebody and be like, wow. Yep. Wow. Like you can tell by the way they walk, the way they talk, the way mm-hmm. they carry themselves, like everything, right? And it's such a cool thing. We were talking about that with Gene Smiths and last last week. Mm-hmm. We, you could feel energy. Yeah. Just feel him sitting, him, uh, sitting there speaking to us. Mm-hmm. Such a real thing, that, that feeling of people. Mm-hmm. Feel people. And I think some of it too, like you say, is just – when you finally kind of release release the shackles, mm. okay, plug there. Okay, when you release some of kind of that posturing or that feeling like that you have to put on a persona and you just really kind of are stepping into your own authenticity, that I think that then that brings your ability, you know, out more to even sense that in other people. Because that's what I feel for myself, like as I've went through more and more and I've just really gotten back to what I feel is like, you know, who I am supposed to be, that then – I know I carry myself differently, but I also see other people differently and I feel their presence differently. And so if there are people who you just feel evoke kind of that positive spirit or that positive energy, I think I'm more aware of it again. I That's our word of the day, aware. Like do we clap every time we say aware or take a shot? I'm not really sure. Yeah, right. But, but it really is like – it's not like that stuff wasn't there. You know, it's not like those people weren't there, but I wasn't seeing them. And I just see things differently because of where I'm at. And so I think, like, the more conversations we can have like that, the Beauty and Wellness Show, like, the more events like that happen, the more podcasts like this happen, is that it's it's just going to keep growing and growing where hopefully more people will be aware that, you know, look, there are positive forces all around us. But sometimes, again, we just we don't even see what's happening because we're so consumed with trying to present who we think we should be instead of being who we are, mm-hmm. you know. So. As you're saying that, I'm just sitting here being like the best listener that I can. <laughs> I, I mean it because I'm like, okay, listen, 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 yeah. obviously listen without judgment. But something about when you speak, felt that presence also when you were on, on the stage speaking. What were you, what were you speaking about? So my, my big platform, I guess, if you want to call it that, is that I want to help people create connections through communication and build those connections through communication. And so that's really any speaking thing I do, anything that's that's the overall goal is just how can we connect in with yourself, with the environment, with other people, with whatever it is. And so much of that comes back to how we communicate who we are and what we like and what we want, and not just verbally, but non-verbally and just through our energy and, and all of it. And so I got the chance to speak about just some different ways that we can all focus on our relationships a little bit more by starting with knowing what we want and then learning really how to express that. And it sounds so easy when I say it, like, you know, know what you want. But again, people, we're not taught to really articulate what it is we want, or we're not taught to really go inside and understand what what our own personal needs are and what we want. And then we're certainly not taught how to 
ask for that or to talk to another person about it. Listen, a listen, lot listen, of t- listen, no, because that's what I'm here for. Just to like yeah. take all this in that you're saying because it's like it's instruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, it is. 100%. Well, and you think about it, like, so often, like, I see this so often in relationships, and I know I'm guilty of this in my relationships as well. Like, we want other people to know, like, oh, if they love me, they should just know what I want or know what I think. It's like, no. Why the hell should they? They don't live in your head. They're not you. They absolutely should not just know, not if you haven't told them, mm-hmm. you know, not if you haven't expressed that. Now, if you've expressed it to them and told them repeatedly that's and they don't do it, then that's different, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, we need to get to a place where it's, it's okay for me to talk about what I need and what I want and have a conversation with you about it, and then we can negotiate what that looks like for our relationship. Mm-hmm. Like that is so much healthier than going and like having these missteps and then me never telling you, but then secretly getting pissed because you're not doing what I want you to do. Like dude, that's not fair. I can't tell you how many times I've done yeah. that in my life, dude. Oh God, same. I am guilty as charged. Is it our minds doing like, that? I expect the other person to understand what I'm thinking at that moment in time mm-hmm. or what I had planned and didn't tell anybody, mm-hmm. ask my wife. I do it. It's hard. Well, we all do because you know? they're, again, like I say, and this is my big thing why I always say I want to like, get to a place where we can teach children this younger. Like mm-hmm. The reason we all do it is because it's a pattern. It's That's what, what we've been taught and that's what we know. And so then you're just in that and it's we're that pattern. We're conditioned to it. Yeah, we're not shown that it should be any different than that. Mm-hmm. But then when you look at so many of our relationship problems, it goes back to to so many, yeah. you know, it's really, they're really not that hard. They're hard to fix mm-hmm. because then we're in that pattern and there's emotions and there's feelings and there's all of these other things. But if we would have started from a place of greater transparency and openness and honesty and authenticity, we would all start at a better place. Mm-hmm. But the problem again is that most people don't know what that looks like for them. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of the answers to this is like, it's not the other person, dude. Vulnerability? No. It's almost not. Yeah. yeah it's it's not, Fear. it's not really the other person. It's, it's, man, you're, and you say it's hard, and I'm going to be devil's advocate maybe for a second and say yeah. it, maybe it's not hard. You know, there's a difference between being like something being simple and something being easy. Mm-hmm. It might not be easy, but it is simple. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it is simple because, you know, my one of my mentors, Andre Miller, we probably abused his name too many times on this podcast. But, man, I, just, I love the guy so much. It's like a light switch with a human you know, he tells me one time, hey, dude, you got something that no other animal, no other animal on this planet has. You you can literally change who you are mm-hmm. like flipping a switch. A bear can't do that. Mm-hmm. A lion wakes up and he's a lion. Right. But like you can. It's just going to require you going deep inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't want to do that because it's a scary fucking place. It is. It's scary. And and that's. That's what it is, is, and it's work. And and I think we also have just such a negative connotation about the word work, too. Even when I tell people, like, relationships are work, you know, and they'll say, like, well, you know, when you love somebody, it's not work. It's like that's the biggest bunch of bullshit I've ever heard, and you need to stop telling yourself that. Relationships not only are work, but the the beauty of it is is you find somebody that you want to do the work with that's, and that wants to work with you. Dude, you know, yeah. like, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean No. Um, that's so crazy because I'm one of those people that say that, but you just said what needed to be said. I needed to hear that because, like, me and Tiffany's thing, mm-hmm. it's always been so perfect. I mean, I won't say perfect, right? Like, mm-hmm. nobody's perfect. Like, there's always mm-hmm. – I don't say always. There's Everybody comes up to – there's a problem. There's always going to be There's always going to be something to something, negotiate right, and to right. work through and to grow through. And what's You're growing. crazy is I've always said – and maybe it's because I'm biased because I'm in this situation that I'm in and mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm in it. 
Mm-hmm. But I've always said this too, good relationships don't take work, good relationships work. Mm-hmm. But you said something right there towards the end of what you were saying. Um, let me go back real quick. Oh, my God, I just forgot how you put it. But you're doing the work. You're just doing it with her. With her. Right, right, right. See, so it that's doesn't even the really feel So like then her. it doesn't, yeah, see, that's just you know? it. But you're doing because you're investing in it and you're growing with her and you're having those conversations. That's the work. Mm. Like we need to take away the fact that we think work is like a negative thing, like, oh, it was something that was hard or that it was something that I had to do. No, if I'm in a relationship with you, that's what I want. And it's the same thing for myself. Like I work on myself every day. That's not negative. Right. That's not something I don't want to do. It's something I'm excited about because I get to work on being a better person. I get to work on growing. And like, so all I'm saying is translate that into your relationships and look at it as a positive thing. Like if we're growing and working together, but it's so often that unfortunately in our relationships, we don't grow and work together. We're doing it separately or we're growing apart because we think about it in terms of like, oh, it should just be easy. It's like it, I don't ever want it to just be easy because then a lot of times it means it's staying the same. Mm, you know, it's cool. like it's it's through that growth and that transformation and through that just developing that connection with somebody else. And sometimes it's going to be more difficult than others. But mm. it's always like I guess work, maybe I need to come up with a new phrase for it. But it's just like I think about it as movement also, mm. you know, like not staying stagnant in the in the same place, even when you're perfectly happy. You know, you don't want to be stagnant. You don't want to be like the pond scum on top of the water. <laughs> stagnation. I, always yeah. tell, I tell people this. It's death. It's death. Stagnation yeah. is death. Like in the animal kingdom, when you stop moving from point A to point B, you're not mm-hmm. eating and you're about to become eaten. Right. Right. Man, mm-hmm. that's such a – oh, dude, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> oh, no, is, I'm so excited to be so here. awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. Um, man, that was – yeah. And so let's real quick um, sidestep just a second. Yeah. You're a professor at Texas State University. Yes, yes. I'm in the communication studies department, and I teach relational communication and gender communication, all the all the communication classes about feelings and relationships, and just it's my favorite. I love it. That's it's so, so awesome. good. Yeah. That's so awesome. And tell everybody the title of your book that you wrote. Hey, so my first book just came out. It is called Being Whole, Healing from Trauma and Reclaiming My Voice. And so I'm really excited about that. It's a it's a personal book, but it's it's people ask me all the time. They're like, "What kind of book is it?" And I get so weird about answering that question. It should be like the easiest answer ever, but I, so I make it complicated because it's like it's not really a memoir, but it's not really self help. So I like make I just make up my own genre. Basically, I'm like it's a fragmented self help memoir, like, <laughs> or something. I don't know. Amazing. Give me a, give me a brief synopsis. So basically, it's just about how we all have, you know, trauma or crisis or stress or things that have impacted us. But if we don't talk about them or integrate them into our identity, they just find ways to creep in and re-injure us over and over. And so the book is really just about, like, my own process with that and recognizing um, some of the things. Like, so I've had different traumas in my life that have impacted me. um, And I was sexually abused when I was a child. And I never dealt with it. I never talked about it. Instead, I was like, I'm just going to prove how awesome I am and look at how amazing I can be. And I did that. But in the aftermath and in throughout the years of doing that, I was also creating these negative coping mechanisms that I felt were keeping myself safe, you know, or like disordered thought patterns or, you know, negative um, cycles I would go into. And so it really, um, the book is about just 
you know, recognizing that that's what I was doing. Because, yes, we we do all have things that are going on. But then a lot of times after those terrible events are over, we keep ourselves right there. Mm -hmm. And so it was about how I really had to just decide that I was going to change some of the things about myself and just even some of the thought patterns I was subscribing to so that I could, you know, live more in an authentic place for myself. Mm -hmm. But I only did that because I, you know, like I say, I thought I was fine. Mm -hmm. The book really only came about because um, we were hit by a drunk driver almost two years ago. And all of a sudden after that accident, I I was scared all the time. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, God, I'm terrified. What's going on? And I realized that I wasn't scared only about the accident. I was scared. You know, all these memories were coming up, all of these things. And I just kind of went into this panic and this tailspin. And so um, I know you said a brief synopsis and then no, I'm no, talking no. for 10 minutes. No way. Uh, but, but so um, the book came about throughout my healing process when I was I, – I, went in and I was like, okay, I have to go back and deal with the abuse. After that accident, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be halfway healed. I want to be whole. That's yeah. how the the book came about because I had healed through all of these things, through so many ways, throughout so many years, and I did. And I was fine. You know, I had achieved. I was happy. I had great relationships, but I wasn't. And so after the accident, I went back and I just went through and I healed further and further, went back to all my memories and tried to relive everything I had been through to really figure out what it looked like for me and what it meant. And what I realized is how much fear I have carried around my whole life and how that has held me back through a variety of contexts. And I have tried to medicate that fear away through a variety of means, you know, doing drugs, drinking, sex, I, even volunteering. I say that in one of my talks, like I even was going to volunteer because at least that was ha happy and a helpful coping mechanism. Yeah. But it was still preventing me from doing the work that I needed to do for myself. I think we're all guilty of some, yeah. oh, something shit. on that list. It is so, it's easier to help other people than to look inside and help yourself. Damn. Because like what I say in my book is that helping other people makes me feel good. And it makes me feel like I'm powerful and like I'm really doing something. Helping myself makes me feel crazy. Because it's like, oh, shit, why, can I, why am I so good at helping other people? But like what's wrong with me inside? And it, so it was just this weird like – you know, I'd go out in the world and be so helpful and be amazing at my job, and I know I was doing great things, but then I'd come home at night, and I would feel like, not like imposter syndrome, like I was a fraud, a little bit of that, but more so just felt like really deeply sad about how I felt like I couldn't fix myself. Mm. Like, why, what is, why, why, what is going on with me? But I was never going back to the root issue. I was never going back to the abuse. I was never going back to some of that. Because, again, I thought I had, like, oh, look at how happy I am. Look at all that I've achieved. Surely nothing is really wrong. It must be something that's happening to me right now. And so, anyway, I had to go back. And once I went and kind of wrote it all out and figured out what I was doing and all of these themes, it was all right in front of me. And I was like, oh, God, this is what this is. And so I didn't want to write this book. It was never a plan. I, I didn't have an outline. It wasn't like I, you know— had a publisher or anything, I really felt called to. It It was something where I knew I needed to do it because I knew that I was not alone in this. I knew I was not alone in feeling these thought patterns or the ways that I talked to myself or the, the, things, the things I was giving my energy and attention to as opposed to giving them to myself or whatever it is. And so then it just became this, this, um, passion, like this thing within me that I had to get done, that I had to do. And so it was really a driving force that led me 
to put the book out, and I self, that's why I self-published it because then I couldn't be bothered to even try to find an editor or an agent or a publisher. I was like, no, this has to happen now. Like it was a sense of urgency for me. And then once once I got it out, um, I I did. I felt like just a release and not and people thought it was like a release of telling my story but I've talked about my story and things with that it wasn't even like about that it was more just like I felt like I finally like put the pieces together Mm -hmm. a little bit you know and made myself whole and again then I do I walk around differently now I see things differently even though by all societal standards prior to that I was fine Wow. You know, so. Did you have a mentor through this process? No. I Well, yes and no. I went to several different types of um, healing sessions. I went to several different um, trauma therapists. I went to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But how I wrote the book um, was it's really just I took all of my journals. And, and some when I say journals, a lot of times it's not just me writing in a notebook. A lot of my book was actually written in audio texts on my phone, you know, or like whenever I thought of an idea or I thought of something or I had a trigger come up, I would voice text it to myself or what have you. And so how I wrote the book is I took all of these things and I laid them all out and then I just pieced them together. Wow. Yeah. What a gangster. And so it was— like the book cover, right? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly—so the book cover with the bowl that's on front, the Kintsuji pottery, so— I had never heard of that before. So what that pottery is, is it's um, pottery that's been broken and not purposefully, you know, it's broken pottery. But and then when they put it back together, they put it back together with gold because the idea is that you can be stronger than you were before. So whatever's broken, you didn't really break you. You can be built up and be be stronger than you were before. So I had never heard about that. So I told three different people about my book over the course of like a couple of weeks, people who didn't know each other, who had never met. The first person I told about my book, they were like, oh, like the pottery. I'm like, no, what are you talking about? So they explained it to me. Then like a couple of days later, I tell somebody else and they were like, oh, you know, like this, like this book, this picture. And they sent me a picture of, you know, the Kintsuji pottery. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that must, must be a trendy thing right now is what I was thinking. You know, <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever. Then the third person, and again, all three of these people were like completely different, said the same thing to me. And I was like, okay, that's the cover. That's what this is. And so that's how I chose the book cover is, yeah. So it just kind of all came together like that. It's like sometimes the universe is just like, no, no, no. This is the path you're taking. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because like I say, I did not want to write this book. And even as I, I had no... I didn't have to do it for work. In fact, I paid to publish this book. Like, I used my savings. And that's what a lot of people don't realize, too, is so I had been saving money uh, to take my kids on vacation. And But the book, since I just—like I say, it was like a thing living inside of me that I knew I had to do. And so my kids are teenagers, and I had to sit them down, and I just had to say, look, like, we can go on a vacation or I can publish this book. And they they were just like— you have to do this. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I know. That's I can't amazing. even say it without kid, getting emotional. Your kids are amazing. Yeah. Like kids. Yeah. That's so cool. Teenagers. Let's go. Teenagers who don't get vacations often because, you know, single mom life over here. But Dude. Yeah. So they understood the power. So they, they were like, you have to. And and they're like, we'll go on other vacations. And they, they just, you know, they're not in that scarcity mentality that so many of us are. You know, they were just like, yeah, mom. You can make more money. You will go on a different vacation. Like, you have to do this. Wow. And so I was like, all right, you're right. 
And so um, just like I say, the whole thing, the way it's happened, the way it's unfolded, that's why now, too, people are like, what's the next step? I'm like, I have no idea. Because <laughs> there wasn't, even with the marketing, with everything, there wasn't a plan. Like, I really don't know what I'm doing in that sense. It, But I, I'm not scared about it because I just know it's all supposed to happen. Like, it's just going to happen how it's supposed to. That's why I love getting older, dude. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's just, it's all going to happen. It's just, so yeah, my kids were a driving force behind that because they were just, everybody, and that's what's been cool about been this. watching you. Is that everybody who I've talked to about the book and about what I'm trying to do, like, it's been so positive. Because I think especially to people who've known me a long time, they they see, like, what a difference it has made in me to really go back to some of these things. And then, like, even the people I've heard from who've read the book, you know, it, it's it's such a wide variety of people. You know, I have somebody, the, the youngest person that I know that's read it is 12, with parental permission, of course. It does say the F word in it. Um, <laughs> but, and then the oldest person that I know that's read it is 85. And so, and the cool thing is the things that I hear from people is it's the same. You know, either, even if they haven't had anything that they consider to be a terrible trauma or a crisis, um, I have one woman who said, she's like, I just realized I don't really talk to myself very nicely. I was like, yeah, a lot of us don't. So I'm glad that you realized that. Wow. You know, so it's just kind of like cool. And, and so I don't think that anything I say is super unique or magical. That's what I tell my students all the time. Like, I'm not saying anything that is, like, groundbreaking. I'm just saying it out loud. Yeah, yeah. That's all. Really, truly. So yeah. And I think you allow, you allow people to feel safe, to, to let them feel vulnerable around you, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are you hiding? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's all right. Like, we're— we're human. It's all good. Yeah. We're here. So good. Yeah, for sure. You are the first person that I've ever talked to in person that's been on TED. Oh, really? It was cool. I'm really glad I did it. TED Talk. Yeah. That's so cool. It's being edited right now. So it was, yeah, the TEDx Talks. It was at Texas State. And so it's being edited by the videographer right now. And then the, we submit it to TED. And we joke about Ted like he's this man, you yeah, know, this right. person. Where I was like, Ted, he's such a, oh, he's not going to prove it. You know, we're like, we talk <laughs> yeah. about him all the time. We're like, oh, Ted is annoying again. You know, like he's a, a dude. Uh, but so then once they approve it, we're told that it should be like early April awesome. that it will be released. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. And that's really, so the TED Talk wasn't, isn't like necessarily about the book, but it's kind of my overall arching overarching premise I guess like I said is that it's about how again we all have pieces of things that we're hiding or that we're holding on to and so what we have to do is we have to integrate it and feel it so that we can release it Mm -hmm. but you can't release it if you haven't allowed yourself to feel it and process it and you can't feel it and process it if you're not going to acknowledge it you know so first you got to acknowledge it and then you got to feel it and then you got to integrate it into your story Mm -hmm. and then you got to let it go And, and so it's the first half of my talk was about like saying, okay, we got to get to a place where we feel like we can share and recognize those things. So then the second half of that is if we're going to get to a place where people feel comfortable sharing, we have to create a space where people feel safe to share. Mm -hmm. And like throughout all my years of teaching, you know, communication studies, what I've learned is that 
it's not that people don't want to talk. It's that they want to feel safe when they do. Oh, that's good. And not everybody feels safe when they do. Not everybody feels like they can open up and be themselves. And sometimes it's because they've had a negative reaction. You know, when they were did tell somebody something, sometimes it goes back to childhood. Sometimes it's to a relationship. Sometimes it's just, you know, insecurities or what have you. But, the you know, if we can get rid of some of that and people can feel safe— and so how do we feel safer? Well, well, then we have to teach people how to be better responders. We have to teach people how to be compassionate listeners. We have to teach people how to really be present and to be nonverbally immediate and to not be so judgmental and all of those kinds of things. So, yeah, that's what my talk was about is really um, like a call to action of like, you know what? Keeping stuff inside isn't working. I mean, look at the world around us. We've tried to stuff stuff aside or pretend it didn't matter. And, you know, rates of anxiety and depression and suicide, those aren't going away. You know, they keep going up. And so we need to start thinking about how we do things and and working together to change a little bit. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about the talk. I can't wait for it to come out. um, This communication thing, I I always say to everybody that I run into when we start getting into knowledge or what have you, Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like we should all have three categories of people in our lives. Mm -hmm. Your mentors, who are the people you're striving to emulate or, you know, be like whatever. Um, and then I always say this, the second part, and you got me thinking about how I should be saying this for the future. The second category of people are your peers. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they're so important is because we feel comfortable discussing things and asking questions amongst each other we don't feel like we're quote unquote asking a stupid question. Right. You know, I, there's things that I will talk to my peers about that I don't know. I mean, I guess with my boy Andre, like I'll talk to him pretty much about anything. But you know, like sometimes when you go to your mentor and you ask a certain question, you're you're already thinking that he's gonna be judging you, he or she's gonna judge you. Like, is he gonna think this is a stupid question? Uh, haven't we covered this before? Yeah, but I didn't really understand it. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. So and, and the third category is is uh the people you're teaching because you don't really know. I don't think you know what you're talking about unless you feel really comfortable teaching that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I go back to that thing about feeling stupid. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel stupid mm-hmm. when I ask these questions. And you're you're saying things like, if we can get people to understand how to respond better, mm-hmm. right? Then maybe that kind of pulls away from some of that. I don't know. I don't know. My wheels are spinning big time right now about those three categories of people. Mm-hmm. How much of it is uh, in our own head, too, though? Oh, gosh, so much. Well, probably most of it, because I yeah. think people do want to listen. Yeah. I, th- I really think people want to, like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm biased because everybody I'm around is so awesome. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people do want to listen. I think that sometimes people don't always know how. And even when they want to, or sometimes, honestly, the biggest thing with listening is, and this is where I did hesitate to tell people, like, it's just, oh, we have to be willing to listen to everybody, because I also have a big caveat with that, is that you also have to be willing to tell people and able to recognize when you can't listen and you can't give space or you can't hold space. So it's also, but that goes back to the number one key piece for me, which is the awareness piece, right? Like, so I have to know myself and know my own limits enough to know that if I'm not going to be able to be a good listener for you, or if I can't, you know, take on whatever you have going on, then I need to respect myself and you enough to say that. Be like, hey, Jason, like, I'm really sorry you're going through a hard time right now, but I can't be there for you 
in the way that I would really truly want to be right now. And so I'm going to tell you that I'm sorry, but like, I can't hold space for you right now. And rather than that being something that angers you, that should show you that I'm at like the highest level with you, right. you know, back right. to the, like, no, I respect you so much that I'm not going to like give you, because if I'm not in a space where I can listen and if I'm truly not able to give you that, my responses are going to suck. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be tired. I'm probably going to be like shorter with you or I might be dismissive. Or a lot of times when people listen, sometimes they inadvertently dismiss other people's pain. And this is where, like I say, some of this is in like social support stuff for me is that like, we often, when people don't know what to say, they will say like, oh, it, it's going to get better. Okay, actually, nobody actually really wants to hear it's going to get better. Most people know it's going to get better. Right. So you telling them that doesn't make them feel good. It makes right. it feel like you're dismissing what they are experiencing. You know, so sometimes it's just little things like that. Yeah, I feel like if you, you know, see things like that, because I've said this yeah. to people, you know, things like this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. But you have to like follow that right 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 yeah (laughs) right yeah yeah you can't just just leave them hanging right right you know they're looking for advice and and sometimes it's even like you know and and i'm so sorry to you know like add yeah adding a little something to that right Right. you know because that's the thing but no so anyway kind of you know went off from what you said but i do think most people want to listen i think unfortunately that's, that's where, again, people do need to be able to express their own things. I think we've gotten to a place where everybody feels so filled up with their own stressors and their own things and their own crisis and everything that it's it's not that people don't want to listen, but they don't always feel like they can or like they can take that on right. or like it feels like too much for people right. so or it feels overwhelming, right. you know, and then that goes back to them. Like it's just it's really hard. Dude, this goes right sense. back to this whole training thing mm-hmm. that we're doing. Breathe, move, relax. Yeah. Breathe, yeah. move, relax. Like, look, um, you 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 said when you were telling your own story a little bit ago about um, um, maybe possibly feeling a little hypocritical. I know I have mm-hmm. telling people, giving people advice, and not really. It's like, don't. I told Gene this the other day. Whenever I went and saw him on Saturday, um, I'm like, man, I feel like I'm giving a lot to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he cut me off because he knew where I was going with it. He goes. Yeah, the whole caregiver syndrome. Yeah, you can't. You got to take care of yourself, dude. Mm-hmm. How are you going to take care of anyone else mm-hmm. if you're not taking care of yourself? Yeah. So I think it starts, obviously, you know, I hate to beat a dead horse here, but we're, we got to go back inside. You do. You really do. Because you know? mm-hmm. your everyday stressors, like I've been listening to Tim Ferriss, right? Four-hour mm-hmm. work week. Yeah. Love it. You know, one of the things that he talks about a lot is, um, uh, I say a lot in one of his chapters, was... Um, Oh, God, what did he say? Totally lost my train of thought with that. Um, Oh, God, lost it. (laughs) Whatever. We'll get back to it here in a second. But, um, yeah, we got to be inside. We got to be inside more with ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? Taking care of ourselves first and then then letting that emulate. I, I know for me personally, like, it does feel, when I go home at night, I'm like, dude, you better shape up, bro. Mm-hmm. And it's not all the time, but it's those moments where you're kind of slipping a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, oh, dude, no. Um, but the whole, training the mind, too. Mm-hmm. you got to train the mind mm-hmm. maybe to be more aware. Yeah. Well, that's where I was going to go with the gene thing, too, is, you know, he told Alex, the fighter that I train, um, don't think about this. Don't you dare think about this during the fight. It's either in you or it's not. And the way you get it in you is through training. Mm-hmm. And you train, you practice. 
practice, 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 reps, 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 reps. Practice your breathing. Practice your breathing and not just in its own little secluded box. Mm-hmm. Like your breath work can literally be happening right now while we're talking. Right? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't need it. So it's, it's like you told Alex, you're already busy enough, dude. Like what am I going to do, rob you of another hour because you got to go do your quote-unquote breath work? No, your breath work happens mm-hmm. all day long. And what I found, I'm kind of going off here, but what, what I found with myself lately is um, the only way, number one, like anything in life, the only way to get good at something is to practice, mm-hmm. right? Um, for me, man, it's such a, it, it's almost immediate, the results. Oh, for sure. With this breath thing, just practice internal silence. And I'm not perfect at it. Like, it's my mind is still going a 1,000 miles an hour. But if I can declutter my mind a little bit, mm-hmm. even for just a second, man, mm-hmm. it's so freeing. Oh, for sure. And then I can prioritize my day a little better. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, God. And it's always those days where that happens first that I have, like, the best days. Yep. But then I some days I wake up because the night before, maybe I ate some questionable food. I didn't sleep as well as I mm-hmm. should have. I wake up the next day. I got a thousand things to do. I'm a little anxious. I don't know where to start. Skip the breath work. Get to work. The day is a total shit show. Yep. I was just telling a friend this last night. So she was asking, like, what I do in the mornings. And I was saying how I actually – I do journal and meditate every morning And some of that started when – so I have lupus and fibromyalgia, and I have to get up a little bit earlier than I have to be somewhere because it takes a while for my body to really just, like, not hurt, (laughs) basically. And so I got kind of conditioned where I needed to get up and get moving a little bit for a few hours before I could be ready to leave the house. And so if if I don't do that routine, though, and it's it's not always the same. You know, sometimes it's journaling. Sometimes I'll go outside. Sometimes I'll meditate. Or sometimes I'll just think through things when I'm drinking my coffee. But it's that time. Days when I think, like, oh, I'm just going to sleep in today or, like, oh, I don't have to do that or I'm doing really good. So I don't, I'm not going to do that today. The whole rest of the tone of the day for me is, like, off. It's off. Mm. Even if nothing bad has happened, even if it's nothing, because it sets my day in a space where I have started it for myself. Mm -hmm. So even think about it. Like if I instead, because I used to start my day by picking up my phone, right? Mm -hmm. So then instead of starting my day for myself, I've all I've done is I've allowed everybody else's information to come into my brain the very first thing. So I'm starting my day with everybody else's stuff. Even if it's happy stuff, like instead of really being clear on like where I'm going and what I'm doing for the day. And it just helps me like start from where like like again, okay, what how do I feel today? How did I sleep last night? What how is that gonna impact the rest of my day? Cause even like what you were saying about the breath and the training. So for me, like the mental awareness, I'm training that shit all the time. Yeah. Because for me, it's like a big thing for me is like People don't recognize their triggers, okay? So we all have triggers for a variety of reasons, so recognizing what they are. And for me, it's also then routinely throughout the day, if something happens, like this is what I give my students these examples all the time, like, okay, so say I lock my keys in my car, okay? My go-to brain response is like, why did you do that? You shouldn't have done that. That was so stupid. So instantly, I have to stop myself Mm -hmm. and say like, okay, no, that wasn't stupid. It was an accident. You'll get it figured out and taken care of. So... It's not that the thought process 
always stops. It's not that I'm not going to have negative thoughts. It's not that I'm not sometimes going to get down on myself or what have you, but it's the awareness piece that allows me to recognize that that's what I'm doing and then stop it and then retrain my brain and or start from a different place. And so the goal for me, I could get down on myself for that I that my brain goes there. Or I could recognize that that's a natural response, but that I don't have to succumb to it and spiral into it. And that's a huge piece of my growth, too. And so that, but that's back to training. Like you're saying, I only know that because I work my ass off at that, you know? It's, and, and that's the thing is, I think that so many people, it's like, I don't have a magic wand and I'm not telling everybody they have to get up an hour earlier or whatever. And that's what's going to happen because you have to figure out how, what it looks like for you and your time. And, but so often the work I do on myself, it's like when I'm driving to work, it's when I'm doing it. It's all the time. It's continuous. It's not like just in that space I had just talked about in the magical morning, you know, it's, it's all the time. Right. And that's so key, you know, like. I've talked to a lot of people about this idea, how life ebbs and flows Mm -hmm. and you know, you're almost like on this roller coaster ride and it's, you go up and you feel these peaks and it's like, holy shit, this feels amazing, dude. I hope this never ends. Mm-hmm. Don't be foolish. Right. Don't be Honestly. It all does. <laughs> so you start, you start going back downhill. You're going mm-hmm. back down the roller coaster. Some of us start feeling that negativity mm-hmm. and it's almost like we're, we're trying to accelerate that roller coaster down. Mm-hmm. Instead yeah. of like, whoa, 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 hit the brakes, hit the brakes, hit the brakes. And yeah. I don't expect any of us to like completely avoid it. But what if my, what if my depth, like you understand like in dieting and mm-hmm. fitness and all of this stuff, the high, if you're looking at a chart and it looks, you know, those little, yeah. like imagine like a, um, for the listeners, imagine like, like a, a heartbeat chart, right? Where you see ups and downs, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what the hell they're called, mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyways, you know that like the more extreme, the higher up we go on one extreme and then boom, we get back down at the very mm-hmm. bottom of that hill on the roller coaster, like that huge extreme down there. Like the more you live your life like that, the <laughs> like you have to know that that's not good. Right. Like and that's and that's up and down. No, and that's like especially like for you know a lot of people and myself included with the trauma response and stuff too is like you know with hypervigilance and hyper awareness like you get used to living your life in extremes like I've always lived in my life in extremes. I joked that like I don't understand moderation like a, you know then you're just not trying hard enough or <laughs> you know like if you're if you're just okay with being in the middle. And like made jokes like that because it's difficult for me. It really is. And the but the whole goal for me in this Again, is like, okay, I'm not trying to live a straight line either, but it's instead of having those peaks and valleys, like if they can be rolling hills. Yes. That's the best way I can look at it. And And recognize that the hills are going to go down sometimes, and that's okay. And that's okay. But it doesn't mean you're in the depths of despair. Or if you feel like you are, then allow yourself to feel that, Mm -hmm. but know that you're going to get out of it too. Yes, yes, Looking, Looking like, I don't want to say looking ahead, but but understanding that that is it. Patience. Right, and understanding that it's part of the process, like Mm -hmm. Seen. And that's hard. It's hard for people to sit with that. It's so, hard for you just to sit yeah. in that space without then thinking, oh, I'm never going to get out of this or it's going to continue or this is terrible. Or mm-hmm. And so what do you think about this? I told somebody this the other day. Try to stop recognizing when you're on your way down, but instead try to pay attention and get a grasp on when you're at your peak or when you're real close to your peak. Because if you know that you're almost at your peak, you also know that that valley's coming soon. Mm-hmm. And if I know that the valley's coming soon, and if I know it before I hit the peak, mm-hmm. 
then it becomes a little bit easier to start applying the brakes mm -hmm. before I start the downhill slide too fast, mm -hmm. right? So if I know I'm going up over a hill driving my car and I know it's a steep hill, when I come over the other side, before I've even peaked, I'm already kind of tapping the brakes a little bit because mm -hmm. like I, I need to slow down because maybe I'm driving an 18 wheeler and if my brakes catch on fire, I might not make it, you know, mm -hmm. I'll make it to the bottom of the hill, but a lot faster than I need to, mm -hmm. right? And I'm possibly gonna cause a crash and everything else. Like, let's not do that. <laughs> so let's stay ahead of it a little bit. And mm -hmm. I go back to the whole breath thing, man. I really believe yeah. that staying ahead of it comes through things like breath work. Mm -hmm. um, breath is the most fundamental thing that we as humans have ever done. Mm -hmm. It's the very first thing that any of us ever did when we were pulled out of our mother's womb. Practice the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. It also forces you to be silent upstairs in mm -hmm. your mind, mm -hmm. right? Like we talk about meditation and the whole um. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, what is that um sound? All that is is a distractor. That that thing, that that sound that you're making is... So that you don't have to, it, it's, it's distracting you from your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So that all I'm focused on is, um, well, let's back up even further. Why don't you just focus on, uh, focus on that a little bit. And we all get this. It's so much louder than it, with the headphones on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you can actually hear breath. That's good. Louder, clearer. Right? And then think about the sound of that. Like tonight before you go to bed, like breathe yourself to sleep. Mm -hmm. Think about the sound and what does it sound like? It does sound really cool. It sounds different, phones. right? Yeah, I hope it comes across than that. I hope It sounds like, more powerful than what we, yeah. we take it as. Do you like falling asleep to the sound of the ocean? I do. I do. That is the sound of the ocean. I feel like I was set up. I know. I feel like that was you. I know. But that it, is. Like, I just want a recording of Jason breathing. I really hope it translates that well for the listener as it did in our ear, our headphones Dude. because it sounded amazing. Like, it really did. But we can, can all do Can that. you do it again? <laughs> no. Jason, breathe for me. <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing, though, right? Like, lay in your bed. You'll find the sound of the ocean in your breath. It's the most calming thing in the world. And just FYI, I found a video a long time ago on YouTube mm -hmm. of a time lapse of the world, like the earth, going through like an entire year, or maybe it was a couple of years, I don't, whatever. When you watch the seasons change mm -hmm. from like outer space, I guess, dude, it's like the earth is breathing. Like the ice kind of recedes and then it comes back and then it recedes and it comes back and you can almost feel Whoa. like the ocean. Dude, like, um, I gotta find this and send it to you guys. Yeah, for sure. I wanna see that. I've um, been told that Ohm is actually the breath of the world. Oh. It's actually supposed to be deeper than. Deeper than that. It's right. like the same frequency of. Because when everybody does Ohm together, mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like that. Uh, it's more like what you're doing, but it's going out, it's protruding, it's like never ending. Okay. Infinite world and then you're on the same frequency of the world breath. I love this. Yeah. Okay. That um like you can tap into that. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good to know. That's really good. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> but it all comes back down to yeah. silence, man. You'll f you'll figure a lot of shit out. Well, it's interesting that you're that the conversation has kind of went that way too because so I started doing yoga again within the last like several months. And I, I, I said to the yoga instructor, I have always had this problem doing yoga actually because I couldn't quiet my mind. 
because it was very, very difficult for me. And so I just, I wasn't getting out of it, like the spiritual connection, like that, you know, everybody who really practices yoga is there for, right? And so after I went through and, and kind of healed a little more deeply and was able to sit with myself more and to sit with silence and to sit and clear my mo- my mind, I have went back to yoga and have had this really transformative experience with it and in relationship to the breath, like what you're just talking about, I feel like I can breathe more deeply. You can. I feel like I, I feel like even so not just with even the quiet in my mind, like, you know, just even expanding. And it's almost like I've been shallow breathing for years. And now I can finally take a full breath. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we were talking to Gene this weekend about, you know, everybody, we all think that it's the inhale. But the inhale is like gathering tension. Yeah, but it's really letting it all letting it all out. And so when I was in one of these classes, they were like, your exhale should actually actually be longer than your inhale, just naturally. And I was like, oh, just even sit so I sat there and and just breathing. It's a game changer, isn't it? Yeah. Jason, now that I'm good, I'm glad I'm glad we're here rolling. Um, Jason's actually the first one that has ever talked to me about breathing. And once he did that as my trainer, before he's my homie. Mm Like I knew that my shit was changed forever, because then I started I started working more on yoga, and I was already so far ahead because I, through this dude, mm-hmm. that's what he preaches, and now it's like now it's like oh shit, it's full circle, mm. yeah, full circle. Dude, my mentor Andre Miller gave me um, one one day during one of our sessions, he was kind of spelling out like maybe what my internal silence practice should look mm-hmm. like in the morning. I've got this whole morning routine, starts in the morning, um, obviously, morning routine. <laughs> it starts with breath work before I get out of bed. Mm-hmm. As soon as my feet hit the floor, I grab my towel, I walk outside, I douse myself with last night's water. Like I filled water buckets up the night before. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how cold or hot it is outside. Mm-hmm. Slowly pour the water over my body. I feel the water, mm-hmm. right? When I first started doing cold water dousing, it was about the cold water. Okay. And um, it took me about probably two years, probably a good two years to figure out, to understand what the fuck I was doing, pouring cold water on my head every day. And then it took me another like two years after that to realize, and it's funny because Gene brought this up this weekend, but it was probably last year sometime, which would have been two or maybe three years after I started dousing, that I realized that none of this was even about the cold. Mm. It was simply about being still. It was about the water. It was about, can you maintain your composure, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So morning routine, breath work, cold water douse, exercise, silence. Okay, now during the silence part, and for you listeners out there, if you want to write this down, this might be key, I created myself a little spreadsheet, four columns. Let me grab my phone so I make sure I don't screw this up. When you're, when you're in this practice of internal silence, mm-hmm. inevitably something's going to drag you out of that internal silence. Mm-hmm. That needs to be noted. You said something earlier about journals. Um, create yourself a spreadsheet. You got four columns. The first column, write down anything that interrupts your internal silence. Mm-hmm. That's column A. Column B what it affects, why are you thinking about it? Mm-hmm. Column C, what fear is it rooted in? Mm-hmm. Right there. Mm-hmm. Column D, what action slash acceptance 
needs to take place in order to stop thinking about it. And then I've got a fifth column where I just have some notes. After a complete recapitulation, internal silence is restored and you can then move forward with your life and stop dwelling on the past or fearing the future. Mm -hmm. You arrive at the present of the present. The scene has been set and you're ready to fall in love with the day. Oh, yeah. And what I found in a very, very short amount of time, and I probably need to, I haven't been documenting lately, um, but what I found in just a few sessions was time was always pulling me out of internal silence. Mm. Time. Now here's where you all are going to hear some of my own vulnerabilities. Time was pulling me out of this internal silence. What fear is it rooted in? You know, I started going through all this. What, what ends up happening is after a couple of entries, maybe for you it might take a long time to figure out, you know, where, where you're going here. But after so many entries, everybody's going to be able to look back at their little journal mm-hmm. and find a pattern. Mm-hmm. And when you can find the pattern, now I can address yep. the problem. Mm-hmm. For me, t- it was very apparent within four or five sessions, like, Time, I have an issue with time. Okay, well, why do I have an issue with time? Because I'm deathly afraid of death. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's, all, it's coming for all of us. We're all running out of time. And so, man, things had to start changing for me. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, why are you worried about the 5 o'clock meeting tomorrow afternoon? It's in your calendar. Today's, it's 9 a.m. today. Yeah. Like, why are you stressing about some shit that ain't even here yet? Mm-hmm. Like, it's in the calendar. Everything's good. Don't worry about it. You're good at what you do, and you stay in your lane. You're going to be fine, right? And I don't mean, like, stay in your lane by be, stay comfortable. But what I'm saying is, is, like, you're not going to go into a meeting 5 o'clock tomorrow unprepared. Right. Like, you understand yourself. You understand the things that you're diving into. If you're a CPA or if you're a money person, you know, working for some big corporation. It's not like you're not prepared. Like, you're good at what you do, mm-hmm. right? So be good at what you do. Um, man, it is that, yeah, that changed a lot of things for me. And um, because I was aware of it. Let's use yeah. that word again, right? I was aware of what the issue was. And, of course, I'm still working on some things, you know what of I mean? Of course. Like, it's never going to end. It's never going to be done. Right. Like, it's not. And nor, and nor should that be the goal. I mean, back to, again, the stagnation. Like, I don't ever want to stop growing and learning about myself and mm-hmm. and having that awareness. And, like, even with, like you're saying, with the journaling and the spreadsheets, like, the, the way I do it is I just, it's like, okay, yeah, figure out how to name the feeling. Or if you can't name the feeling, like, what is what is that feeling evoking in you? Like, is it a physical reaction? Is it a mental thing? Like, where's your head going? And then just, I tell people, I'm like, keep asking yourself why. Mm-hmm. Like, pretend you're a two-year-old and be like, why? 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 Okay, so if you feel that, why do you feel that way? Do you know where it comes from? Was it triggered by something? Was it an event? Like, is there something else going on? Like you're saying, with the fear, like, trying to figure out where it's rooted in and where it comes from is so much more productive too and helps your brain make sense of things as opposed to just being like, oh, I feel this way. I got to get rid of this feeling. Mm-hmm. But our go-to is to feel anxiety or the stress or the fear or whatever and then try to push it aside and get rid of it because yeah. it's an uncomfortable feeling right. that we don't want to feel. Right. Whereas if we lean into it a little bit, feel that shit, but then ask yourself why it's there and where it comes from. That's power. Mm-hmm. 
That's power. Preach, dude. You know, and then once you have that power, then the next time that happens, all right, I've got this. Yeah. And so you're building that strength and resiliency for yourself yes. on your own patterns. Yes. That's way more powerful than me coming up here and telling you what my patterns are and telling you how to do it. Right. No. Mm-hmm. Like you have to once you feel that about yourself, then that all those tools and again awareness, it really is our word of the day. Like awareness just enables you then to be so like have, more you. Right. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And this is so key. And it allows me then to take shit way less personally, too, Mm -hmm. because then I no longer walk around thinking like anything else is about me. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, if you had a trigger happen to you or if you were, you know, or if you didn't respond back to me, like I'm no longer then taking that personally because I'm also recognizing, okay, here's where I'm at. This is what I've brought to this situation, or this is what, you know, how I'm living my life. So if that doesn't match up with what I thought our interaction was, then maybe then our interaction was something completely different. But Damn, I'm not I gotta gonna, work on that. <laughs> it's hard. The not taking it's helped me not take things personally though, yeah. because I'm really just working internally to see what my own reactions and my own triggers are. And so many of us are carrying around our own reactions. Doing the same thing over. You start realizing yeah. man, you start diving in, you start realizing how petty you can be oh fuck yeah sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah. right yeah we can all be really oh really, for really sure petty and it's we're all doing so the same thing silly. too no we are and i mean like and this and this it's also <clears throat> important like and this is what i know we've all said this too but like I don't have all the answers and I'm not always going to do it right. And sometimes I mess up or I'm like, God, why did I say that? Or I did get petty or I was like, was that passive aggressive or was that rude? But then I'm going to like learn from that and go forward and use that tool as awareness about myself and use that as like a way then to become better going forward as opposed to staying in that space where I'm going to beat myself up about it or as opposed to staying in that space where, you know, I'm going to allow that negative pattern to continue. And so, but so much of that then, you know, like you think about everything we've talked about, okay, it's awareness, but then it's also the recognition and the work that goes behind mm-hmm. it, you know, and Dude, so much of it. Let me tell you something else about that. Let me like continue on with that time thing. Yeah. What's up? So the other thing that, you know, was brought to my attention by Andre is like, number one, like there's no reason to fear death. Let's get over that real quick. Yeah. Like it's coming. It's, yeah, it's going to happen. You did, mm-hmm. you, like it's deal with it like mm-hmm. it's coming I don't want to say deal with it that's that's a little strong but like you know what I mean just accept it maybe yep. that's a better way of saying it instead of fearing death use death as your advisor and now we're going to go into like something a little deep maybe how you do anything is how you do everything mm-hmm. if I use death as my advisor every second of every day that means that I am probably if you're if you're any type of like, I mean, it just makes sense to me. If you're using death as your advisor, everything you do is going to do, be done to the very best of your capabilities, right? And if I'm if if I'm living like tomorrow, if I know tomorrow's the day, mm-hmm. you bet your ass that everything I do today is going to be the fucking best that I can mm-hmm. possibly do it. One rep max for quality, everything. What if we lived every day of our lives like that? Mm-hmm. One day I was telling Andre, I'm like, dude, sometimes I feel like when I'm leaving my house to go do something I love to do, like swim through the river, the weirdest things will start happening to me. It's like these weird, unseeable like powers pulling me back inside my house. 
maybe I forgot my wallet on the countertop. It pulled me back in the house when I was mm-hmm. about to leave. Get back in the truck. It's like, oh, whoa, 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 you forgot your water. So you yeah. go back inside, you grab your water. You get back in the truck, you're about to leave. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's something else. It's always something right. else. You know what the guy does? He doesn't miss a beat. He says, what's the inside of the house look like right now? What's the inside of your shed look like? Like, did you, you got laundry piled up? Do you have dishes in the sink? Is your bed made? A little bit of clutter here and there. Do you have any of that going on? I was like, oh, man, I got all that going on. Mm-hmm. He was like, subconsciously, like, you have unfinished business at your house that needs to be taken care of before you can go have fun. So why don't we start straightening things up a mm-hmm. bit? And I'm like, oh, and it goes right back to what we were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. How are you going to go out in the world and help everybody else? You ain't even helping yourself. Yeah. Like, there's a reason why you should make your bed every day. There's a reason why you shouldn't. What? What? If 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 you you if you wasted, honestly, wasted. If you used energy to reach inside your cabinet, grab a cup, fill it up with ice, fill it up with water. You drink that water. You did all of that. It all took energy. Why would you stop there by just simply setting that cup in the sink? Your job's not done, dude. Mm-hmm. Are you, you going to clean it later? Why not clean it now? It takes two seconds. Like, literally takes two seconds. Clean the dish, dry it off, put it back where it belongs, keep your shit together. I throw a gardening analogy out now. I use this with uh, the kid that we trained with earlier, Mason. He's a, a guy that trains at Sport Hall with us. Mm-hmm. He's a... Uh, He's going to be an Olympian someday, this kid. Wow. Yeah, he's an amazing, amazing individual. Felt his power the first day I met him. Um, I told him the other day, I said, hey, um, think about life like a garden. If I allow all the weeds in my garden to grow up and what, once a month I go out there and start pulling weeds, man, that's a lot of fucking work. Mm-hmm. You're in the garden every day anyways, bro. Just walk by and pick it up as Mm -hmm. you see it, you know, and you don't have to do a lot. Just do a little bit. If you're constantly maintaining the garden, Mm -hmm. then you really never have to work. Yeah, that's true. It's so true. And that's, I mean, that goes back, that goes through to everything that we've talked about today, too, because that's where, like, I don't just journal when I'm sad. I do it all the time. (laughs) Like if you only do, you know, or even like with therapy, you know, like somebody the other day was like, well, I don't really need a therapist because I'm not going through anything bad. It's like, no, that's exactly when you find the therapist then is when you're doing great. So that then if things go sideways, like you already are established in it. But like, like, I mean, really, honestly, that's that's, good. That's that's the best time. Is that not practice? That's fun to do. Thank you for giving me permission. Thank you for allowing that space for me to do that. That's practice. Right. But I even, I wish I could remember the name of the article. I read something that was like, Smart. think about all the things that you could do. If something's only going to take you one minute, then you should always just do that thing. Mm-hmm. But I, so I started realizing throughout the day how many things that would really only take me a minute to do that I was putting off to do later. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you just have a list of stuff when if you would have just addressed it at the moment. And so I realized like what you're saying with the garden and the weed pooling, how frequently I was doing that. Like I was just like, oh, I'll just do that later when it, it's something so small that if I would just build that in and keep doing it every day. How you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Mel Robbins is? Yes, I love Mel Robbins. God, mm-hmm. she's a goddess. And her voice. Oh, yes. I just love her voice. I yes. listen to her book on tape just for fun because her voice. I love, yeah, I, no, love, I love her. I love, love, love that. Mm-hmm. I love. The five-second rule? Yes. Yeah. I love that she created that. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I'm hearing your story and it's like, damn, dude, Cassandra like literally like healed herself. I'm sure you had help along the way, but it seemed like you just did it. You took it. You grabbed the bull by the horns and you did it. And I hear her story, uh, Mel Robbins' story. Mm-hmm. You know, she went through depression because they lost like everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. And then she just one day wakes up and realizes like, no. Yeah. Five seconds. Everything I do, every time a thought comes into my head, I've got five seconds to act on it. I'm either going path A or path B. I'm not wasting any time. I'm moving. And I'm mm-hmm. going to be okay with my decision. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it completely changed this woman's life. I think it's, I would argue that it saved her. Yeah. It sounded like she was in a deep hole, right? And and it goes back to that how you do anything is how you do everything, right? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit here and there, a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Just manicure, just just keep it all polished, keep it all clean. Another thing Andre always reminds me of this is when it comes to garden. He uses all these garden analogies because that's what we're all into, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be done to look done. So you're out there working in the garden today. You're doing all this stuff. The projects aren't finished. You have three, maybe you have two or three big projects back there. You can tidy all that stuff up a little bit. Put all your tools away at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Make sure the plastic, all the plastic stuff is put in a recycle bin. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing yeah. laying out so that at any given moment, anyone could walk back into your garden and be like, damn. And they don't even realize that you got three projects going on because that shit always looks on point. Mm-hmm. What if we applied that to our lives? Right? But it's a simple thing of manicuring and picking up after ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? It's so big. Tell us what yesterday meant for you. What was yesterday? International Women's oh, Day? Oh, International Women's Day. Speak on that. Um, so <laughs> are you sure you want me to get started on this? Oh, I'm trying to go further. Um, Obviously, I you know it's a wonderful day of celebration, and I loved seeing all the pictures uh, that people had posted on social media and the articles I was seeing. But also, I'm going to tell you, it, it is also a point where then, like my first thought today was like, well, now I got to go post a bunch of equality pictures today because, like, I do struggle a little bit sometimes with things like that because I want those conversations to be infused in our daily lives. I don't want there just to be, you know, we have these pictures and these hashtags on one day, and, and again, not to downplay the significance or to downplay the major, the how wonderful the event was, but again, I want I want to be part of this conversation every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, I want that to be the feeling that always exists. And so I really was. I was like, I'm just going to start hashtagging that every day. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, so I, I struggle with a little bit with it in that sense because it's so wonderful in that feeling and seeing so many people who are really upholding and championing women. And it's like, we can just do that always, you know, like we can, we really can. And so it was cool. I was really excited to, to again, to see everything and to see how it's grown and to see like the wider reach. And I thought it was so cool too, to see how many different types of people were posting about it and everything as well. And so I love that every year I feel like it's getting more momentum, but I long for the year when we don't need a day. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. So, I mean, like I say, I'm happy it's there, but, like, damn it, let's smash it, too, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull the rug out, you know? Yeah. Let's go. Like, yeah. What does it mean to be for you to be a woman? I mean, it's everything. It's all I know. So, it for me, it, the whole thing is that I think 
that the strength that women possess in so many ways, it hasn't been looked at as strength. Mm-hmm. And I think we're shifting in that, you know, and and, and, the, and men have the struggles in this too. You know, when you think about uh, the ways that even we've positioned it, you know, for so long, women, if they have too many emotions, you know, then they're hysterical or they're hom- hormonal or what have you. Whereas if men have too many emotions, then they're a pussy or they're weak or they need to shut up or whatever, you know. So like emotion, for example, I'm bringing that up in terms of because when I think of women, I think like that is one thing that they have such strength in is really being able to be emotionally expressive and emotional creatures. Society has given us that more so than what I think men have had in terms of the range of emotional expression, mm-hmm. but to a point, okay? So that's all wonderful that I can be emotionally expressive and nurturing, you know, maybe to my kids, but then I'm supposed to switch that off if I want to be a business person and I'm supposed to, you know, so like I think like for me being a, wom- a woman, it's a lot of adaptation that I think um, you're constantly, and, and again, not just women face this, but you're constantly trying to adapt to whatever somebody else thinks you should be because otherwise, again, you know, if I if I walk in and I start crying at a meeting or something like, oh, well, you know, she's not strong enough to handle this it's like or whatever it is, you know. And so I think that there's certain um, elements to being a woman for me that it's it's about maybe just broadening what that looks like and, and really having a recognition or I hope that we are growing in our recognition that – it's not really about men or women or either gender, but it's, again, back to what Jason said. I don't know if we were even airing then, but when you said, you know, you're a human mm-hmm. and, like, getting back to that essence and that human because especially, like, women have a unique set of characteristics that they've been, you know, raised with and placed upon them societally, and so do men. Mm-hmm. And so I do have a hard time talking about just men do this or women do this because then, again, we're also ignoring, like, the whole broad spectrum um, because I look at it as a continuum of fluidity as opposed to just men versus women. And so for me, mm-hmm. sorry, yeah, and so, like, this is way tangential, sorry, to your to answer your question. But so to me, it means everything. But it's not just about being a woman. It's going back to about being a human. And for me, the whole thing with, with being a woman, though, is just I really hope we're getting to a place where, where the conversations that, about equality are going to go somewhere again, mm-hmm. as opposed to just um, everybody assuming that we're, we're all equal. I hope that we're getting into a place where, because I don't think people are equal treated equally across the board in our society by any stretch of the imagination um, for a wide variety of reasons. And so for me, it's about um, really just hoping hoping I can broaden that conversation. I don't even think I answered your question, honestly. I started rambling. I love it. To me, it's everything. You know, it's it's all I know. (laughs) I can't wait for my daughter to hear this. Yeah. I mean that. I want her to hear strong women like you. I just want people to feel that power and to feel like that's possible. My whole thing, and this goes for diversity and everything too, is that people have to be shown it's possible for them. Mm-hmm. And, and some of that is you need to find people who look like you who are doing that. For some people, it's looking like them physically. For some people, it's looking like them in terms of their life experience. For some people, it's looking at somebody in terms of where they've come from. For whatever it is that you're searching for, like your subconscious needs to be able to be expanded by somebody who is showing you that that is possible for you. Mm-hmm. So guess what? I'm a highly educated white woman. I don't look 
what like what everybody needs me to look like. This is why we need many, many people and many ex- experiences and many individuals saying all the things that they're doing and saying all of these wonderful things because somebody somewhere is going to need that voice and need that experience. And so I just I am excited if we keep growing in that idea and keep growing in those possibilities, then all of these children, your daughter and people younger and your daughter are going to not have these limitations placed on them then. There's not going to be this question of like if a girl can do it because it's not going to be a thing. It's just going to be like, of course, anybody can do it. Like if that's what you're showing is possible for you. And so often we're just, like I say, we're we're put into boxes and we're put into, you know, we're stifled and we think that we can't do things because we're, again, we just, we don't believe that it's there for us. And isn't this incredible? Like, will you, look, if we want to start comparing, I think it's (laughs) silly, but I don't know a single man on this planet that would ever be able to deal with the pains of birth. Right. So let's talk about strength. Mm-hmm. Let's really talk about strength. <laughs> you little weak asses. <laughs> and and isn't it weird that the women have and and I'm not I'm not taking a stance here. It's like again we're back to the human thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's where I'm at. That's where I'm always at. Mm-hmm. But it's weird that women have had to take quote unquote a back seat, and it's almost through all of human existence because male masculine power comes with this incredible ego that, that if unchecked can be dangerous. And it has been dangerous. It has obviously been dangerous. Um, But the crazy thing is, it's like women, birth, like nine months that, you know, when we get back to that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. it's like, how are they, how are you guys not as, as important, if not more important, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When I see, when I see this whole masculine and, f- and feminine thing, I, I, I see this, like, beautiful when it's all perfect, right? I see mm-hmm. this beautiful, like, yin and yang kind of, like, design almost. Mm-hmm. Like, we're made to be together. Um, uh, and we all have our, our, you know, if you were just to say, like, gender versus gender or gen- however you want to word that, like, there are certain strengths over here that don't exist here, but then there are strengths over here that don't exist here, but when they're together, holy shit, you know? And, and I always go back to this thing, too, and I know this probably doesn't mean much, but, like, why is it that we all refer to the earth as Mother Earth? Nobody's, nobody calls it Father Earth. Like, there's, there's a strong— Father f- Time. Father Time. Mm, interesting. And you know the earth <laughs> rotates, right? So, like, again, there's this connection there, right? So it's, it all works together, and, and more people need to understand that, in my opinion, like, that it does work. We—who—where where, where would this planet be right now? If a thousand years ago, all of this shit would have been squashed. Racism, gender inequality, like... You know. Oh, my God, bro. We would have been on Mars light years ago. Well, even just even, like, you know, thinking about privilege and everything. And I know people get real weird when we talk about privilege. But we got to get over that, too. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is, is that people have privilege. And, like, me, it doesn't mean I haven't had hardship. It doesn't mean I haven't went through stuff. But what it means is that because I'm white, I probably had it a little less hard than if I wouldn't have been white. And it's – that is not – that doesn't make me a terrible person. But not acknowledging that and not recognizing that is not – it doesn't mean that I'm open and aware of really what's going on around me either. And part of being a responsible citizen for this earth and for my country and just for the world is recognizing what's going on around me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so much of this too is like back to the idea of like I think 
a lot of people get, um, and I've been really guilty of this in a variety of senses in my, myself too, but um, we operate under that scarcity mentality too, you know, of like, oh, if I am not for myself, you know, or if I am too much about empowering you, then there might not be enough left for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's not true, you know, like there is enough success and love and all of these things to go around for everybody. And so I don't need like me giving it to you or me helping you or me like sharing with you or whatever it is or providing opportunities or people giving that to me. Like, that is just opening it up the possibilities for more and more people. It doesn't mean, like, if I'm like, oh, hey, Juan, you know, like, I can't help you today because then that means there's less help for me somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, like, just, I don't know. I think that so much of our problem starts from that place of, like, everybody's back to fear, you know, too. It's like we're all a little bit afraid that then we're not going to have what we need. Mm -hmm. And so rather than give other people what they need or want everybody to have it, we try to hold on to a piece of it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we just kind of, you know, all allow ourselves to open up and recognize that everybody is deserving and everybody should be able to have a piece of whatever it is, then not only am I less stressed because I'm not constantly trying to protect my shit, mm-hmm. but I am also open to the idea that it can, you know, it can expand in a multitude of ways and I can talk, I don't know, like say now I'm kind of getting into no, the I want to go things, back and replay but, all this because yeah, I'm like, damn, like, this is instruction. And I love how you but, said like protect our shit or my shit mm-hmm. because the word shit is huge in that phrase mm-hmm. because legitimately that's all it really is. Yeah, shit. it is. You're protecting yes. shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. Tell us about uh, this podcast that you got going on, and tell us where you're going. Okay, well, it hasn't started yet, so it's it's in the works. Um, so, it so has started right here. It has started. <laughs> yes, that's true. It has started in my mind for sure, and th- it's on a piece of paper somewhere, so that definitely counts, right? <laughs> <laughs> so with me, so I, I teach at um, Texas State, and I have the professor deal, and I do speaking engagements and workshops and everything, and so the podcast is just going to be another way to extend the conversation, it's called Being Whole, and it's just about through a variety of contexts because, again, that's the name of my book. And the the overall idea for me is that we all have just so many things that make us who we are. Mm-hmm. And so it's about just exploring all of those concepts and, and what people do to keep themselves whole. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's talking to people from a variety of different contexts and talking about a, a bunch of different topics and the ways that people do life. Mm-hmm. Because we all, like I say, that's why I have a hard time with even like prescriptive advice or in my book, people were like, oh, you know, now you got to tell us how to do it. And I was like, nah, nah, I can't because <laughs> there's not like what works for me and like what I do in my life. You know, I'm happy to share and talk to you people about it or tell you exactly what I do. But like it's not necessarily going to work for you. It's not going to be conducive to your life or it's not going to match up with what you need. So and important so it's, for people to hear that. Yeah, so it's just really getting to a so place. For you. But then also being okay with the fact that, like, my process doesn't have to be your process. Because that, for me, was a huge thing, too, you know, in my healing was recognizing, like, so I I'm a, I internally process a lot. Like, I think through shit all the time. But I then I like to say it out loud. So what for years I didn't realize, so by the time I got to the place where I wanted to go talk about it, I'd go talk to friends. But I already knew, I already had my mind made up because I'd already worked through it. I'd already internally processed it. So I'd go talk to friends and they'd try to tell me what to do or they'd try to give me advice or they'd be surprised when I'd like all of a sudden I'd be upset talking about something and then the next day I'd be over it and they didn't get that. 
but it's because they didn't see my process that I had already internally processed it. And I wasn't actually coming to you for advice or for you to tell me what to do, or I didn't even actually need anything from you. I just needed to say it out loud, right? So for the longest time, I would fight that because I would have friends who would be like, well, you come to me and then you're just going to do what you want anyway, or you come to me and then, you know, you're fine. So why did you have to talk to me about it? And so I stopped talking to people because I felt like the way I was talking to people was wrong. Mm. And it took me a long time to realize it's like, oh, I'm just talking to people in a different way. So I need to be able to tell people what I'm doing. So now when I come to you, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to be like, hey, yo, I don't actually need you to like give me advice on this or I don't actually need you to tell me. And just so you know, I'm actually fine. And tomorrow I'm probably never going to think about this again. But I've kind of worked through it. Now I just want to say it out loud. Mm. Okay. Then you can, right? And so for for some of that, for me, is this like this idea that that's how I do it, and that's okay. But that doesn't have to be how you do it. Mm -hmm. So if you're an external processor and you need to come to me to actually talk through stuff and work through it, that's different, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. But one is not right, and one is not wrong. But it's recognizing again the way that people do it and why they do it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, again, back to like the podcast and why I'm doing this is just. To explore all the ways that people do it because I don't I don't have – I have the answers for me right now. <laughs> that doesn't mean these are the answers that are going to be there tomorrow. <laughs> or later. But like or, yeah, or later today. But for right now, I got this shit figured out <laughs> right in this moment in time. Okay? Awesome. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's so, that's so yeah. Cool. How do you define freedom? You know, well, now I want to steal what, okay. yeah, I know. And so um, it, it's peace. Mm-hmm. It's just when I think about being free for me, for me, what that means is like, because I write about that in my book too, being whole, available at retailers near you. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> is, um, no, is, is it for me when I finally felt free is when I wasn't, constantly living in that space in my head anymore Mm -hmm. because when I wasn't constantly going through all these things and when I allowed that inner silence like you're saying and I allowed that breath then I felt stillness in my heart Mm -hmm. in a way that I had never fully experienced I can't even say it you can't see me listeners but I'm getting all emotional (laughs) because um I never had that Mm -hmm. I did not have a stillness in my mind Mm -hmm. and I didn't even know it was possible and so once I got that, and once I healed into a level where I could have that, oh my gosh, it's yeah. the most amazing thing ever. Like I can say it and I feel peace in my heart yeah. and I feel peace in my mind. So that's what being free, that's freedom to me. Dude, I love that. So, Dude, you are an amazing human being. Thank you. God. Thank you. I just love talking to y'all. This is so much fun. <laughs> this is so good. Wow. I feel like uh, the same way when you were speaking. I, f- I feel like we were, we could all feel each other's presence or each other's energy. And I think it's because we're our openness and our awareness of, of what's around us. And definitely feel that right now from you. And I can feel for your emotions. So, and I love you. I just wanted to tell you, yes. like, oh, we all you. love you. Like you. We, we knew it from the, from the get-go. That's why we were sitting with you. And it's like. What an awesome, awesome human being. No, it's so cool. I like say that conversations we had that day and then today and I just know we're gonna continue to have more. It was it's just it feels again, like not not to use this word too much, but organic because it, it it is. It's just like we didn't have anything planned out. We don't know what's gonna happen, but there's no fear behind it because we know it's just gonna evolve and be what it's supposed to be. But I feel that way because of the welcoming energy that you are both 
putting forth just from your own presence. And that's so important too, is just letting that flow. Yeah. You know? Love it. So Facebook, Instagram? Yes. Dr. Cassandra LeClaire on Instagram and Facebook. And I have a website, CassandraLeClaire.com. So and the TED Talk will be out soon. So hopefully you can get a link for that. And books on Amazon. The book is on Amazon and Apple Books and uh, Barnes and Noble. It's everywhere. The audiobook, I heard back from Audible. We had to change some of the levels, but that will be out soon as well. So then I'll have the audiobook coming out. So. Did you read it yourself? I did read it oh myself. My I so did. Awesome. I recorded it at my house in this little blanket fort, honestly. <laughs> How long did it take you? Um, I knocked it out in, I think the total. Knocked record- it out. No, yeah. Like, literally, it was two days, but two half days, really. I just read. I think some of it's because I talk all the time for work, so I was used to it. And it's my story, so I wasn't, like, some of it I could have really read from memory. So, yeah. So, anyway, that'll oh. be out soon. So, lots of big stuff. So, thank yeah. you for letting me come on and Absolutely. talk about what's going on and everything too dude thank you so much for showing up today this is so good no yeah. it was awesome yeah yay and when we tell you we love you we fucking yeah. mean that no thank you <laughs> I was so excited to come like I when I got your text this morning like when I first saw your name I was like oh shit I hope he's not canceling me <laughs> so I was so excited yeah. to come and just to hang out and to see what was going to happen and everything awesome. too so let's do it again soon. Yeah, for sure. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. All right. See you guys. Okay. Bye.